Johnstown. Bleed stop. Clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound. Apply direct pressure and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds. Bleed stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find bleed stop by clicking on the bleed stop button on the 1360 KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular bleed stop website prices. Get yours today. The Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too, don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa, 1811 Hover Street, Suites A and B, Longmont, Colorado, 720 ETI is your local one-stop shop for all your heavy equipment needs. From rebuilding your components to helping manage your fleet, our goal is to make your life simple. Our full-service hydraulic and machine shop will meet all your expectations. We also offer free pickup and delivery. Call Jeff at 970-685-2064 with any questions or to schedule a pickup. Again, that's 970-685-2064. Returning Saturday, March 2nd to KHNC, 1360 AM. And every Saturday, March through October, it's the Gardening with Joey and Holly radio show. Saturday mornings, 11 to noon. It's the Gardening with Joey and Holly radio show. Topic focused, guests from across the country and answering your garden questions. Submit your questions now to gardentalkradio at gmail.com or call 24-7 to 1-800-927-SHOW. That's every Saturday morning, 11 to noon. March through October... Hi, this is Ron Tafoya, owner and operator of New Method Cleaners, Northern Colorado's oldest dry cleaners. Men's clothing to women's fashions, we clean it all. Give us a call with all your cleaning questions. If we don't clean it, we might have a solution. We have two locations to serve you in Severance and Fort Collins. Please call us at 970-775-0623. 970-775-0623. Hi, this is Rod with PCs and Parts in Loveland, Colorado. We are your go-to place for computer parts and repair. We have been in business for over 19 years and love fixing computers. Come by and see us at 265 East 29th Street, number H, or visit us at PCsandparts.com. Or you can call us at 970-203-0696. That's PCsandparts.com. Or call us at 970-203-0696. Hey folks, The Rev here. Urban Survival is more than just a well-stocked pantry. It's preparations for contingencies that separate winners from losers. Be sure to attend the Longmont Survival Expo March 2nd and 3rd at the Boulder County Fairgrounds. It's Northern Colorado's premier event featuring thousands of survival products and subject matter experts. The event will be held in the Exhibit Building at 9595 Nelson Road, Longmont, Colorado. Phone number 970-581-5231. See you there. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, and I would like to encourage everyone to make sure they are prepared financially as the Federal Reserve continues to destroy the value of the dollar. Since the closing of the gold window in 1971, the Federal Reserve has led the way in the explosion of debt and the devaluing of your money. 
They openly say that they need 2% inflation, which simply means they hope to devalue your money, and they want to do this every single year, year after year. I know it's hard to understand, but the Federal Reserve believes in prosperity through debt and growth via the devaluation of your future. To learn more about how to protect yourself, visit us at allamericangold.com or call us at 800-951-0592 and protect yourself against the devaluing of your money. Hey, folks, as a CBD user, I can attest to its effectiveness. And now my kind CBD products are available at the station. You'll see tinctures, salves, lotions, creams, coffee, cocoa, tea, and much more. You'll even find CBD retinol cream. KHNC also carries my kind pet products, including shampoo and tincture, allowing your best friend to enjoy the same benefits of CBD that you do. The best prices, the best quality, and all THC-free. My kind CBD, CBD as nature intended. Off-Road Automotive offers a wide range of used automobiles for all of your off-road and on-road needs. From classic Jeep CJ7s to high-end sporty Corvettes and everyday commuters, they have a vehicle for you. Bad credit or no credit, no problem. Their professional finance team has you covered. Give them a visit at 1392 Denver Avenue in Fort Lupton or give them a call at 303-502-3230. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. Greetings, good morning, welcome to this morning's program, the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. I'm going to begin with a verse out of Habakkuk, and uh, it is verse 
7. They that sow to the wind, they shall reap the whirlwind. The standing grain has no heads, it shall yield no meal. If it were to yield, strangers and aliens would eat it up. Very negative beginning. Another translation out of the Amplified. For they that sow the wind, or they that sow evil, they will reap disaster. They'll reap the whirlwind. They will sow evil. They will reap disaster. This is the condition that the world is in presently. There are the rulers of the world that have sown, they have planted evil, and their harvest will be disaster. And we are going to suffer because of the evil, the people who are wicked, because of the evil they are planting, sowing, scattering, we are going to suffer the punishment, the judgments, the disasters that are to come. I uh, watch these YouTube videos and um, the ones that I've been watching lately are the small pilot or the small airplanes that crash and then they do an investigation what was the reason was it weather were the planes overloaded was the plane uh, mechanically you know not worthy of air flight pilot error many different reasons when they they'll spend the adequate amount of time trying to decide and to find the reasons why these small airline airplane crashes these are the small ones I'm not talking about the carriers the big ones I'm talking only about the small private pilot planes. The great percentage of time, pilot error. It wasn't the aircraft. It was pilot error. Christ said that in the period of time that we are in, the end of the age, the end of Satan's rule, the cosmos, when his rulership of the world comes to an end, there would be a massive, I guess you would say crash, or we use the term, I use the term apostasy. In the family of God, there would be apostasy. And this is pilot error. The reason 
for the apostasy is not because of the family in general, it's because of the leaders of the churches, the men in the positions of power, responsibility, pilot error. Three things for men who are put in positions to oversee souls of men. They need to know the teachings of Christ, the doctrines, the theology, who God as our Father, as Creator is. Thirdly, eschatology, the plan and the events that occur in time, especially at the end of time, not the end of time in the sense of minutes, days, hours, months, but at the end of a dispensation, the end of a an age, and we are at, we are at an end of an age presently. We're at the end of the period of time called the church age. The uh, lampstands of God have an end, and that end is at resurrection. When this resurrection takes place, the church age or the seven lampstands are done, are finished. The, the work that God had ordained them to is completed. We're coming to that point. The uh, sins of the priests in the Old Testament, one of the major sins is when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would have sin and he would go in and die. This is why they would put a rope on his foot and pull him out. They couldn't go in to get the body because they were all full of sin also. They would die. The sins of the priests of this age, basically these three, these three points, they don't know theology, eschatology, and doctrine. And this has caused the apostasy. The great apostasy that the way I view and see things, it really began in the time after, right after the Jesus movement began to wind down that uh, period of time probably about 1976 and this is when the great apostasy the great falling away the great distancing of the Christian people from the ways of God fear of God, the holiness of God, 
the righteousness of God because America was at its peak. The society was at a point where it had never been before. The economy was, for the most part, booming. The culture was alive, vibrant. We were in a state, we just finished the Vietnam War, and the future was going to be like a um, the best the best that this country have ever has ever had. Reagan came in, and America, the beginning of America's greatness. We were at that point where we, year after year, decade after decade, we continued to prosper. Just giving a, an overview of what the condition of the country was when the apostasy began to take over, the great apostasy. There was apostasy prior to that in the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, the turn of the century. There was already apostasy. The seeds were already in the field. They had already been sown. But it took a condition that was ripe in this country spiritually for pilot error. For the men who were the leaders of many of these great works that would take place, it was the end of, or it was the beginning actually, of uh, deviating from the ways of God. Pilate error, the sins of the, the the sins of the priests. One of the great sins was a misunderstanding of who the nation of Israel was. The misunderstanding of God's plan with Israel as a nation, the Jewish people as a people. The, the body of Christ and the two great peoples, corporate peoples in the body of Christ, Jew and Gentile. When a pilot, before the pilot, a good pilot, the, the, instruct, the uh, way they're instructed is before they get in that cockpit to take off they have to do a check they have to walk around the plane and check all of the uh, different uh, they have a checklist they have to fulfill and to make sure that 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 their craft is is uh, flight worthy so there are these checklists then the pilot has to make sure that the weights and balances in the plane. It can't be nose heavy, it can't be tail heavy, it has to be balanced. The weather conditions have to be right. There's, uh, you can fly just by visual air flight, but then if there's inclement weather, if there's gonna be cloudy, 
If a storm is coming in, you're going to have to have a VFR instrument, instrument flight. I say that most of the men who began to start ministries in the mid-70s were not qualified for the storm that was coming. They weren't equipped. They didn't have enough training. They didn't know the deep how would I say it, not insights, the principles in the body of Christ. Very simple principles, but principles that cannot be neglected. Many of these men, it was an occupation. It was a business. The churches were just people. They didn't look at the people as souls eternal. They're going to affect these people. They're going to affect their souls. If they don't teach the reality of what God's Word says, these people will not grow. These members, these people in these assemblies will not grow. God's intention simply, firstly, to these men in these positions is to help these members to mature so that they grow, that they, as they spend their time in these assemblies, they are transformed. One good example of transformation, everybody has an ego. Everyone has pride. And one of the things that Christ does with his children is he takes them to the cross. And there on the cross, he crosses out their pride, <clears throat> their arrogance, their ego. And this is what Christ does when you come to him uh, he adds to you or should be able and allowed to add to you humility generally most of most Christians are just as prideful 30 years after being in Christ as they were the day that they came to Christ. So Christ takes his people, he brings them to himself, he exposes them, he exposes their strengths that are negative, he works with them so that their ego is tempered. He works with them to give them the humility that is pleasing to him and pleasing to others. I know that being in some of the old Baptist churches, or, or being it not old, 
people that were the years ago when I was a young man the uh, elderly people that were in the Baptist churches I knew that they had a quality in their Christian life that was very pleasing to God they were wonderful people they were gentle people they were people who were concerned about the welfare of others they weren't selfish and that's the other thing that God deals with is people that are selfish that are only concerned about their own well-being and not the well-being of others the purpose I know a pastor that uh, admitted that he could bring people into Christ he could bring them out of the world he could be he was able to begin to clean them up but he didn't have the ability to take them on to maturity he didn't know how to help them grow to mature spiritually this is this is a requirement that God has placed upon men that are truly called and ordained to positions of authority or power or oversight or overseeing whether they're they're overseers of God's children his church I apologize I had some music playing in the background apologize for that I'm look, I have three screens in front of me one to my far left one to my left one to my right one to my far right and I am looking at the board so if you were calling in to remind me that there's music in the background I apologize for that I didn't mean to do that pilot error literally when you're dealing with souls of men that is much different than flying an aircraft or running a control a board a program when you have the souls of men in your hand and your doctrine is off if your theology and your eschatology if there is no eschatology most pastors focused presently on doctrine and theology and their own personal vision they don't have any view of eschatology they're not aware of any where we are in time we are in the great apostasy it is not coming we are in it a pilot taking off and ending up in the middle of a massive storm that's where we are we are in a storm where everything around us is 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 uh, lightning the wind no visibility you don't know your instruments are out you don't know how far off the ground you are you don't know the direction you're headed this is the great apostasy that the Apostle Paul talked about great apostasy 
so great, people don't know they are an offense to God Almighty. They're an offense to the God who saved them. They're an offense to Christ. And they feel that everything is just fine. We are in a great spiritual storm and the Christian people are oblivious to the danger that we're, that we're in presently and the dangers to come. And the priests, the sins of the men in these positions, they will be held not only accountable, but their punishment will be severe. Not when they, after they die, before. They will be caught in their own apostasy. They will suffer. You sow evil, if you sow to the wind, if you sow evil because of your blindness, and many of these men have sown evil, some knowingly, others unknowingly, they are going to, according to Habakkuk, they are going to reap destruction, disaster, hardship, unimaginable, unimaginable hardship. We'll go to the bottom of the hour break and come back, and then I'll continue. The great apostasy, we are in it. The great, great storm that Christ said we would be in has occurred. We are in it. I'll be back. Well, I'll be back in just a second. I thought the music would play, but I'll continue until it does. And the blind, these men, I say, are blind who are leading the blind who are leading the blind and the Lord was very very uh, specific he was very clear what happens to the blind prophets shepherds teachers and what we would call the modern day apostles there are, I believe, I do believe there are a few people that you could, a few men who you could say are operate in the spirit and in the office of apostles. Those who say they are, I, I have looked at their fruit, tested their theology, their doctrine. They are the blind apostles, the blind teachers, Christ said that if the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into the fecal canal. This is not a ditch. It is not just a small trench. This is a canal. I call it the fecal canal to give you the understanding of what Christ was presenting in in the temple there were the different gates there was the beautiful gate 
all the other gates. But the most important gate was called the dung gate, D-U-N-G, the feces gate, the waste gate. This was the most important gate in the temple area. It took everything that was contaminated, the disease, out of the city. It took it away. And the men in the time of uh, Nehemiah, everyone wanted to work on the pleasant areas of the city, of the temple area. The Dungate was the most important to get everything out of the city that was contaminated, that would draw flies. It was important. And Christ said that the blind, leading the blind, will fall into that canal. And I I look at I've been paying more attention recently to what is happening in the churches of God in this country, and I focus more on the evangelical churches than I do the other older denominations. I do study them also, the Greek churches, Lutherans, Catholics. In these other denominations, there are the true believers, there are the nominal believers. Those that say they are believers, they are Christians but are not, only in name only. But in the evangelical churches, there is a conflict that most Christians are not aware of. And it is very simple. It is a massive conflict. It's not talking... The conflict isn't about... Uh, did Jesus... You know, is the Sabbath Saturday or the Sabbath on Sunday? It's not, it's not that kind of a conflict. The conflict is... Two, two words that I will use cessationism and continua and continuationism meaning some people believe that when the apostles died basically all the gifts of the holy spirit that paul mentions in revel in 1st corinthians chapter 12 ceased the apostles ceased prophets ceased the gifts of healing tongues he ceased all of that ended it is not existed from the time of the early church there's a second view continuationism meaning that today all those offices apostle prophet evangelist teacher and I forgot the other one 
pastor are working, operating, as well as all of the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So there is a war going, there is a war taking place. Well, the people that are continuationists for the most part are in a move called dominionism or seven mountain theology or new apostolic reform movement it is a movement where the Christian church especially the evangelical church and now it's also the Roman church will take over the world for Christ all the nations government positions political positions and what will happen is the people of God when Christ returns they will give the world and the nations and the people of the world to Christ as a gift at his return well this is apostasy they are not willing to accept what Christ said would happen to the people that are believers in Matthew chapter 7 I'm going to bring this up in 7 um, leave it chapter 7 Not everyone, verse 21. Well, actually, I'll back up a little bit. Verse 14, Matthew seven fourteen. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. And few, few, a small, small portion few there be that find it beware of the false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravening wolves you shall know them by their fruits do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles even so every good tree brings forth good fruit but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So in, as you study, if you have the time to look at these two groups of people, those who believe that the gifts have ended, those that believe that the offices and the gifts are, are for our time, 
They are. I believe that they are. These offices are for this time. But here is the here's the catch. The gifts and the offices are holy. All of the gifts in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. These are holy. They have a purpose. They are for the body of Christ. But the way in which they're used, this is the problem. When they are being used to make men famous, to give ministries a name, to bring in money, when they are used in an unholy manner, that's the, that's the apostasy. The gift of healing is needed. There are many Christians who are sick, people that are sick. The gift of healing is necessary, needed. But when it's used by unholy men for unholy purposes, that is the problem. All of the other gifts, the same, are holy, are needed, are useful. They're there for spiritual warfare. But when they're being used in an inappropriate manner to make men great, again, the matter of ego. Ego must be put on the cross. But the men and the new apostolic reform and the women movement they chant I hear them say we must have miracles we must have miracles I think it was Bill Johnson basically if I if I can remember and quote him right if we don't have miracles we would prefer to die These gifts are for helping people, not for making men great, not for making ministries big, not for making these ministries wealthy and rich. That's not what they're for. They're needed, all of them. The offices, the office of apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, are are needed. They work together. I believe these offices, I believe these these administrations are working presently. The problem again is with the people who are claiming to be apostles, men and women. There is no such thing as a woman apostle. There is no such thing and they twist the scripture to get people to believe that women can be pastors, teachers, apostles. No. God has not changed his ways from the Old Testament time to the New Testament times. Husband and wife, apostle teams. No such thing. 
Aquila and Priscilla, they were helpers. They were helping to teach some of the young converts like Apollos. They were not a husband and wife apostolic ministry team. This is the part, this is the great apostasy in this country. I do, I, I am not wholly on the side of the cessationists because I do not believe these giftings and administrations ceased. I believe if ever they are needed now. But I do not agree with the dominionists and the branches of dominionism because we are not going to bring Christ back and we're, or we're not going to take over the world to present to Christ the world, the people of the world, the nations of the world when he returns. We are not going to do that. That is literally a heresy. That is a, it is a lying spirit, a spirit, powerful spirit. It's a doctrine of demons. The Lord said that if he doesn't come, no flesh will be saved. And these people are saying that everything is going to be well. We're going to take over the nations of the world and hand them to Christ as a gift, like a wedding present. That is a doctrine of demons. This doctrine has been cooking, has been brewing, simmering for a couple of hundred years, but it finally went to full boil at the end of Jimmy Carter's administration, or when Jimmy Carter became president, actually. I have reasons to believe that. Jimmy Carter began a great apostasy in this country. He came in, people voted for him because they thought he was a Christian. He was not a Christian. When he took office, he made sure that every Christian, every born-again believer, was removed from the positions in his cabinet and on down, I think, to like five levels. This is a tree that has evil fruit. The Lord spoke simply through these parables. You look at these men in the new apostolic reform movement. You watch them on television. They are really trying to sanitize their world. But they can't. God's not going to allow it. God is shaking that whole system. Christ, 2,000 years ago, shook the religious world of his time, and it would happen again in the years before his return. He would shake the religious system of America, the evangelical churches. He would shake the religious systems within Catholicism, the Lutheran churches, Episcopalian, all the Protestant churches, Anglican churches, the uh, 
He would shake in the Greek churches. Everything has to be shaken. Judgment is coming to the world, but judgment cannot come until the judgment comes to the household of God. Firstly, and it's coming to the house of God. Go to YouTube and type in IHOP and you will see the great shaking that has taken place in the IHOP, the International House of Prayer system starting in October of last year at the same time that Hamas attacked Israel. What happens in Israel happens in America in the churches. God is shaking the evil surrounding Israel in the terrorist system. God is shaking heresy in the churches in America. A great shaking is taking place in the churches. The men, for the most part, in this dominionist world, I say personally from observation, I say they have no integrity. They refuse to look at the word of God. They are, they are trying to keep their financial world, their system, their income genera generating system together. The belief system, they believe, they truly believe they're going to take over the world for Christ. They truly believe that. It is a doctrine of demons. They can't. And Christ said right here in Matthew 7, Every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit will be cut down. It will be cut down. That tree will cease to exist. And it will be cast into the fire. And the word fire here, just like in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, the branches are cast into the fire in John 15. Here, Christ says, the tree. In John, it's talking about believers individually. If the individual members of the body of Christ are not bearing fruit, they will be cut off. They're not bearing fruit. They'll be gathered of men. Men are going to gather them. Meaning in their lifetime, while they're still alive, they're going to be gathered and thrown into fire. Meaning persecution, hardship. And here, Christ is saying, these trees... You're not talking about the branches. You're talking about the tree now. This tree is going to be cut flat even with the earth, with the ground. There's not going to even be a stump. They're going to be cut down and cast into tribulation, into hardship, 
They're going to be cut down. This is what is happening now with these big mega churches. You're beginning to see that forest of trees that are they're not bringing forth any positive fruit good fruit they're bringing forth bad fruit they're going to be cut down and these main mega churches are going to cease to exist they're going to disappear and the people in these mega churches are going to say it's the devil they're going to blame the devil but they don't know the word of God the word of God says that he Christ is going to the the judgment begins at the house of God and there is a tribulation coming the tribulation that is coming is to the tribulation is not the judgment of the world the tribulation is for the children of God for the for the nation of Israel and for the good people of the world to come to God the wrath of God is for the the punishment of the evil people in the world the wrath of God begins after the seven years of tribulation is over hardship is going to begin in the first half of the tribulation and we're not in the tribulation yet it's coming in the first half of the tribulation the hardships the pressure is going to drive God's people true believers the holy the righteous those with no guile it's going to drive them deeper into God into their faith into their walk but in the first half of the tribulation uh, those who don't know God or those who who are apostate but they are believers I'm talking about Christians that are actually born again but apostate in their belief system they have taken on all the lies of the doctrines of the demons a pre-trib rapture a mid-trib rapture take over the world for Christ that America is not in the Bible that the Christian people are not going to suffer God would never allow his children to suffer they don't know the Bible the Lord said if you follow me you're going to be persecuted if you follow me you're going to be hated if you follow me you're going to die so they forget and they cut those verses out of their Bibles those verses do not exist in their Holy Bible they believe the doc they've replaced those truths with the doctrines of demons judgment begins firstly at the house of God so the first half of the tribulation you will watch the new apostolic reform people turn God's children in they will 
turn us over to the authorities, believing they're doing the will of God. But guess what God has planned for them once they've done it? God has the great tribulation for them. And they're not going to escape. And they're going to be rounded up. They're going to be punished. This is in the household of God. This is in the family of God. This is what the family, the children of God are going to do to the other children of God. And John in 1 John talks about, I'm going to read it to you. John says in chapter 3, it's a very unique verse, the way he phrases it. Verse 10. In this, 1 John 3.10, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. So John is referring to two peoples, something that they're going to, that something that, uh, the way you can know, set them apart, differentiate these two. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Firstly, Whoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. The children of God, the children of the devil. You sow to the wind, if you sow sin, if you plant sin, you're going to reap. Your harvest will be disaster, destruction. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. That is John referring to the godless people. Now listen to what he says at the end of the verse, part B. Neither, neither he that loveth not his brother. John is talking about he that loveth not his brother. In this body of believers in the evangelical churches, this is the, these, these are the people who are they have one objective, take over the world. Anyone who stands in that way, in their way, or won't go along with them in that purpose, will be an enemy, will be an enemy. He that loveth not his brother, this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. But when you have a purpose, a plan, an objective, and that plan becomes your God, anyone who stands in your way to achieve that objective becomes your enemy, and they will kill you, put you, turn you over to the authorities, believing they're doing the will of God. I'm going to hour two in a little bit. I'll be back. Rick Rodriguez.
I guess not. I have a feeling that um, our trend, I guess our I guess we're not transmitting at the towers. I don't know what's going on here. But anyhow, I'm going to con I will continue. <clears throat> I've never gone a, an hour plus straight before. I guess I can do it though. So every tree that doesn't bring forth good good fruit is going to be hewn down. Every tree. There's no way to get around that. As I began the program, I did mention that one of the signs of the apostasy is the misunderstanding of the I'll use the word lampstands of God the misunderstanding that we do not really understand where how to view Israel as a nation we don't know how to do that. God sees and has made it clear through the, uh, the Apostle Paul that Israel has a place. Israel is part of the plan of God. Israel has never been replaced. And because of that, because of that, um, I am just trying to I'm I'm a little distracted here. I don't know why we're not transmitting. I tell you what, I'm going to play some music just for a second and then I'm going to check out some systems here and I will be back. Let me put something up here. Okay, let's see if I can get this in. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. I'll be back. Okay, I guess we are transmitting the way I understand it. I guess we're okay. So I'm going to continue. Okay. I am going to go to... If we... If the... Uh, because... How am I going to start? I'm totally distracted. 
Well, there's not going to be pilot error on this program. Not going to allow it to happen. I'm going to begin with what Paul says about Israel in Romans chapter 9. The Christian people that uh, make mistakes concerning Israel, they are going to be punished. They're going to suffer some hardship from Christ. God told Abraham, In blessing I will bless those that bless thee. In cursing I will curse those who curse thee. That stands to this very day. The way that the world and the church treats Israel is going to have an effect negatively if they do not bless. If they curse, they will be cursed. One of the curses is blindness. It is a great, it is a great curse. People that uh, don't want to know the truth, God allows blindness to come on them. Upon, upon them. Romans 9. I am presenting and telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises. Now to the Jewish people who are Christians, these are great promises. But we who are believers, Gentile and Jewish believers, these promises do not compare to the promises that we have received as Christians, as believers in Christ. Number one, Passover is coming. With the Jewish people in Israel, Passover is once a year. But they have no reality of the Passover. Christ, as our Passover, has cleansed us from sin, an experience that the children of Israel, the Jewish people, do not have. Our experience is greater. Our reality, you cannot, it's not on the same level. With the tabernacles around the season of the trumpets, we tabernacle with Christ daily. Atonement is every day. We don't have atonement once a year. We in the body of Christ, we believers, our atonement is every day, every hour, every minute as needed. The Lamb of God washes away the sins immediately. They are still living in a system of a belief. They're, they have no forgiveness of sins as we understand it, as we experience. The tabernacles, Christ is tabernacling in us. We are tabernacling in Him. 
This is an experience that Israel does not have. They are waiting still for that time when their Messiah will come. Every day we have the experience of eating unleavened bread. Christ is the bread of life. We have that marvelous experience. They don't. So the body of Christ, what we experience in Messiah, cannot be compared to anything natural. Verse 5, all these promises, who, whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ? according to the flesh who is God for God over all blessed forever amen it is not as though the word of God has failed for they are not all Israel who are descendants from Israel nor are all the children nor are they all the all children because they are Abraham's seed but through Isaac your seed will be named that is the children of the flesh are not the children of God but the children of the promise are considered as a seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. Will come and have a son. And not only this, but they, but I'm sorry, I'm looking, I'm reading through uh, my microphone here. So I have all these, this, these uh, things in front of me. Though the twins were not yet born, I'm sorry, I'm going to go, ver go back to verse 10. Not only this, there was, but there was Rebekah also when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that the promise of God according to his choice would stand, not because of the works, but because of him who calls. We were called to Christ. We were called to be believers. We were called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. We didn't choose to become believers. We were ordained from eternity past at some point to yield to the Holy Spirit and be saved. We were called. And we are, because of that, because of our calling, we are believers. So that the promises of God according to His choice would stand not because of works, but because of Him who calls. We were called again to Christ. We were called to the time in which we live. We are called to a great plan that God has for our time. <clears throat> we're going to be part of this plan whether we like it or not it would be uh, to our benefit to yield to Christ to live holy to be righteous verse 12 it was said to her the older shall serve the younger just as it is written Jacob I loved Esau I hated what are we going to say is there unrighteousness with God no it will never be he said to Moses 
I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will, not, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. We don't choose many things in our, life, in our lives. We don't choose whether we're male, female. We don't choose the t- day that we're born. We don't choose the day that we die. We don't get to choose the nation that we live in. We don't get to choose our parents. We don't know if God will have mercy on us. We don't know if He'll have compassion on us. I believe He has if we're believers. So with God, He decides what is best for us. He decides if we allow Him, He will put us in a position, in a situation, in circumstances that will help us know Him, fear Him, be used by Him. We do have our free will. It's, will, it's, it's very simple to just yield to the Lord, to just yield to Him. He'll work with us. Verse 16. It does not depend on the one who wills or the one who runs, but on God who has mercy. Doesn't depend on the one who runs, the wills, but God who has mercy. The scripture said to Pharaoh, For this purpose I raised you up in order to demonstrate my power in you and in order that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole world. So, Paul is saying that Pharaoh existed so that God could display his power. Pharaoh didn't have a choice. And God was going to use Pharaoh to make his name great. The children of Israel go through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies are destroyed. Pharaoh's kingdom ceases to exist. So then he has mercy on whom he desires. He hardens whom he desires. Then we will say to him, why does he still find fault? Who will resist his will? But on the contrary, Paul says, Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? Will the thing molded say to the molder, Why did you make me like this? So this is Paul stating that God will choose vessels of glory. There will be vessels that he creates to destroy And we, as just the vessels, we have no say over God's decisions. We don't get to say anything to Him. He is the one who creates for His purposes. Vessels of glory, vessels to be destroyed. No other religion presents this type of thought. Not Buddhism, 
None of them. Hinduism doesn't matter. They have many gods. All the gods are, they all have different views on things. The gods do. But here, God's view is very clear. He is stating, He, Paul is stating, God is the potter. We are the clay. God, this is a difficult um, to the to the non-believer. This is a is a a shocking thought. In other words, they have been created by God, and they don't know if they're going to be a vessel of mercy or a vessel of dishonor or a vessel of mercy. They don't know if they're going to, if their hearts are going to be hardened. Or does, does not the potter have authority over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honor honorable use the other for dishonorable use and if what if God wanting to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known endures with much patience vessels of wrath having been prepared for destruction in other words he's waiting and holding these vessels that are going to be destroyed and we have to wait we know there needs to be judgment there, there needs to be uh, justice but we have to wait and in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, us, even us, whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but from among the Gentiles. So Paul immediately, in chapter 9, he is presenting the Jews, because he's speaking to the Jews, now he's including the Gentiles. He's talking about the mercy that God has to the Israel. And now he is presenting the mercy that God has not to the Jewish people only, but the Gentiles also. So Paul is making it very clear. There are two now families. The ancient family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the new family of Gentiles even us whom he called not from among Jews only but also from among the Gentiles he said in Hosea I will call those who are not my people my people and her who was not beloved beloved and it shall be in that place where it is said to them you are not where it was said to them you are not my people but there they shall be called the sons of the living God so Paul in Romans has now added another family, corporate family, to God's plan. And Isaiah cried out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is a remnant that will be saved. For the Lord will execute his word on the land thoroughly and quickly, 
And just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of the Sabaoth had left to us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and have resembled Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness laid hold of righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness did not attain that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as though it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. Christ. Just as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. The one who believes upon him will not be put to shame. That's the end of this chapter 9. So Paul is saying that the Jewish people, it's hard for them to understand that God would call Gentiles beloved those who were not beloved, beloved, that God as the potter made a decision to include the Gentiles in the glory that was given to Israel. Paul is saying, okay, my heart is for Israel, but not all the Jewish people are going to be saved because they will not receive the righteousness of God that comes through faith. But these Gentiles, they will receive this God, this Christ, by faith. This is how God is using Paul to bring in the clear understanding to the Jewish people and this is still, the Jewish people at that time, when Paul was writing this, they were still a little, little um, confused as to, now wait a minute, we have all the laws, the promises, the, 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 the commandments, everything was given to us, from us, through us, the Messiah is going to come. But, now, the Gentiles... Because we read in our teachings that God has, you know, there's no place for them. But if they had read the prophets, like Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, I think it was, there was a place. There would be a time when those who were not a people would become, and I'm sorry, in Hosea. Those who are not my people will become my people. Those who are not beloved will become beloved. So this was a hard curve for the Jewish people at that time. But eventually they would, through Paul's ministry, they would understand. Now here, 2,000 years later, we in the churches in America, the evangelical churches, and all of the lampstands, Israel has been, if not replaced, Israel doesn't really have a plan with God anymore, and Israel is, is completely out of the equation. Well, that is not true. You look at what's happening presently right now in the Gaza Strip. This is a prophecy being fulfilled. Psalm 83. And I want to get 
side, I, I, I can get sidetracked. I'm not going to. Now I'm going to go to chapter 10 of Revelation. So Paul on in chapter 9, 10, and 11, these three chapters are kind of a mini-talk, a mini-discussion, a little Zoom call between Paul and the people in Rome. And it's talking about, in 9, 10, and 11, it is talking, he goes, he presents the Jewish people, the Gentile people, the Jewish people, the Gentile people, the Jewish, back and forth. And God promises were to Israel, but now Israel uh, is no longer being uh, con continuing in the God the plan that God had because of their unbelief still, <clears throat> but the plan that God has for some of the Jewish people and the Gentile people that are being brought into the plan. That plan can only be carried out. Righteousness is the or the the by faith. Faith is the only way that you can please God and continue in the a new plan that God had for mankind. And here we are. 2,000 years later, roughly. And that plan is not changed. It's by faith. But in the meantime, in Ezekiel chapter 37, there would be a time when God would once again, to fulfill prophecies, have to resurrect, make alive the nation of Israel. That happened in 1948. I want to get distracted here, but I'm not going to. I'm going to continue with Romans chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and my supplication, my prayers to God, is for them that they may be saved. So he still has his mindset on the Jewish people. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Now, if you know anything about the Jewish community in New York City, these Jewish, these uh, Hasidic or uh, Orthodox Jews, different, many different flavors, they have zeal they are full of zeal for God. They are, I mean, doing everything possible every day to please God. To obtain righteousness with God. But it's not according to knowledge. Because they don't realize that the plan shifted 2,000 years ago from just being a nation with covenants and promises, Davidic, Mosaic, uh, Abrahamic, it switched to a new covenant, a blood covenant with a, new, with a new life, a new law, 
a law of life. It's a blood covenant. It is the covenant that only Messiah could, uh, well, I'll phrase it this way. The promises God made about the duties or the, or the promises that were made, how Messiah would wash away and forgive their sins, they missed it. They're missing it even to the present. Being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. <clears throat> Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is the end of the law. Moses wrote that a man that doeth the righteousness which is of the law will live by the law. And these Jewish believers, in, and, not, and not only in New York City, but in Israel, they have to, they're living by the law, and they have to do that law. They have to live by it. And it's a curse. It is not a blessing to them, it's a curse. It's a hardship. Because they have to start again the next day. You start the day, and you end the day, and you begin that over and over. It's like that movie years ago, Groundhog Day. The righteousness is which, of, which is of faith says this. Don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, into Hades, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what it says is, but what, what does it say? You don't have to go to heaven or you don't have to go to hell. It's very simple. The word is, is nigh thee in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. There's no hardship. The word of mouth, the word of faith which we preach. So, works isn't going to get them anywhere. They can ascend. They cannot ascend to heaven. They cannot descend into the pit. Paul says, but it's simple. What does it say? The word is nigh thee in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So Paul is telling the Jewish people and the believer that there is no, uh, it's not a difficult duty to be born again. Verse 9, because if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. That's how simple it is. You don't need works. You don't need a continuous prayer. You don't need uh, anything. It's very simple to re receive Christ. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and ask him to come and live inside of you you will be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation you must open your mouth Lord Jesus I believe that you were raised from the dead I'm confessing that you are Lord I believe in my heart that you have been raised from the dead and I accept you as my God the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame there is no distinction between Jew and Greek again Paul brings in the matter between Jew and Greek salvation is available to the Jewish people and now salvation is made available to the Greek to the non-Jewish people Paul is very clear and he intentionally brings in this matter of the distinction between the Jewish people and the Gentile people and that God is no respecter of persons whether Jewish or Gentile no distinction between Jew and Greek the same Lord is Lord over all and is rich unto all that call upon him no advantage to being Jew no advantage to being Gentile none Paul is breaking down that thought the Jewish people in Israel that are born again they have a different mission they have a different purpose and different plan with God that's the difference the Gentile people have a different plan a different purpose in the plan of God but there is no advantage to being Jew or Gentile it's just a matter of where what God is going to do in his purpose with Jew or Gentile the Jewish people who are born again in Israel I cannot imagine the hardship there because in Israel you have so many Jewish people that have been so that Christ has been so demonized these people are suffering they, they are they are rejected I cannot imagine being a Jewish living a Jewish person living in Israel but they cannot imagine being a Gentile believer living in this this nation no different than Sodom and Gomorrah a nation that is no different than Egypt the gods of the the gods of Egypt are right here in the United States of America all of the gods all of the all of the idolatry of Egypt right here in the US of A all of the perverted sins of the demons of Egypt of, of Sodom and Gomorrah right here in the United States of America and the God God has to meet the Gentile people here 
in this hellhole like he has to meet the Jewish believer in Israel in that religious system of hatred to Christ. They hate Christ. They don't want to hear the name of Jesus. They don't want to hear the name of Yeshua. There's no, no advantage to being a Jew in Christ. No advantage to being a Gentile in Christ. We all sit at the same table. God is no respecter of persons. We all, whatever is on the table, we have access. God's children, Jew or Gentile, have access to everything on that table. To sanctification, justification, glorification. To, to forgiveness of sins. To worship and, and enjoyment with a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Everything on that table is available to all of God's children. And Paul, not just here, but in Ephesians, he continues to make it clear. There's no advantage. The Jewish people who are born again are on a much, much more glorious experience of God Almighty than the Jewish people, natural Israel. Much higher. Paul talks about it. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the access to a new life. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. They don't. Our sins are forgiven every day. Theirs aren't. We have the uh, Christ living in us every day, every moment. He can never leave. We can tabernacle on, in Him. We have instant fellowship with God. We have the reality of all that God is. Everything that the prophets of old and Christ and the apostles stated about this new life after rebirth, we experience, it is, it is our daily experience. Israel does not yet have a relationship with their Messiah. We do. We have a relationship, whether Jewish or Gentile, we have a relationship with Messiah himself. No distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. He is rich unto all that call upon Him. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will we call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent, even as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good tidings, glad tidings. But, and Paul now goes back to his, his uh, broken heart, you might say. But they did not all hearken to the glad tidings. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed a report? So Paul goes back. So belief comes of hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, did they not hear? Yes, verily. 
their sound went out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy with that which is no nation. <clears throat> Without a nation, a nation with a void of understanding will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I became manifest to them that asked not for me. But as to Israel, he said, All the day long did I spread out my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So now Paul begins another thought. And the new thought is this. We, by mercy, Gentiles, we have been now brought into God's plan. This was prophesied by Isaiah. And Paul is laying the groundwork. I was found of them that did not seek me. I became manifest unto them that asked not of me. But Israel, all day long, I spread out my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. So, it appears as if now we have the advantage because God has now brought us into His plan and purpose. We weren't included. Now we are included. And Israel, who initially was included, is now uh, basically God's hands were spread to them and they didn't yield to God's desire to bring them into this plan. Now we go to Romans 11. So Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 9, 10, and 11 are a, a discourse specifically about the relationship between the Jew and the Gentile. Why Israel was rejected, why the Gentile was brought in, how was the how people are brought in it's through faith not through right not through works we can't question god in his sovereignty because he's the potter we're fashioned as he desires but then paul says this so he ends with in in chapter 10 the Jewish people, the, the Gentile people, the hands were stretched out and they accepted the invitation. The Jewish people didn't. But now here's where Paul begins in chapter 11. This is why I say with the Christian people in the evangelical churches especially, if you don't understand God's plan with Israel, you're going to get caught. You're going to be punished. I'll more on that in a little bit. Romans 11, chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 11, verse 1. So I'm asking, did God throw out, cast away, or reject His people? It appears as if He just did. But Paul says, no. No. Absolutely not. It won't ever be. 
I am an Israelite from the family and the descendant and the seed of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not thrown out or cast away his people whom he chose or knew long ago from the beginning. Surely you know what the scripture says about Elijah, how he prayed and he complained to God against the people of Israel. Verse 3, Lord, he said, they've killed your prophets, they've destroyed, burned down your altars, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. Verse 4, they're trying to kill me also. But what did the Lord say to Elijah? He said, I have kept, I have left 7,000 people or men in Israel who have not bowed down, have not bowed the knee before Baal. It is the same now. There are a few people, a remnant, that God has chosen by His grace. And if He chose them by grace, it's not for the things they have done. It always goes back to that. Not what they have done. And with we are conditioned, if we do things that we feel are pleasing to God, we can take pride in that. Uh, but really, the only thing that pleases God is our faith. Everything we must do is by faith. I mean, what we do as far as works, those are added to our account. But everything we do must be in faith. We must do everything by faith because faith is counted as righteousness. For the things they have done by works, if they could be made God's people by what they did by works, which you cannot be a child of God, a true, true born-again child of God by works. You can't. Your works are nothing. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. The faith is what is pleasing to God and by faith you receive Christ as God and by faith you are born again and by faith upon receiving Christ your sins are forgiven God's gift of grace if, if it was by works God's gift of grace would not be a gift so this is what happened the people of Israel did not succeed in what they were striving for, but the ones God chose did succeed. The others were made stubborn and refused to listen to God. As it is written in the scriptures, God gave the people a dull mind, a spirit of stupor, so they would not understand. He closed their eyes so they could not see, their ears so they could not hear. It continues to this very day. In Israel presently, their eyes are closed, their ears are stopped. They don't, to this very day, they don't 
recognize Christ as Messiah. And this has to be. There is a concept in with the evangelical Christians that every person must be saved. The scripture says there must be a remnant of Gentiles who never meet Christ because the, the millennial kingdom must be populated with Gentile people. There are many who believe that every Jew, every Jewish person must be saved, born again. But the Bible says in Revelation chapter 7, there's going to be 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel who never meet Messiah, but they will at the very end and go into the millennial kingdom to again repopulate the uh, company of Jewish people. So not every Christian, not every person in the world will be saved. And then again in uh, Romans 11, David said concerning the Jewish people, let their own feasts be a trap to them and cause their ruin. Let it become a snare and a trap. Let it become a stumbling block and paying them back. Stumbling block, a pitfall, and paying them back their uh, retribution. Let their eyes be closed so they cannot see. Let their backs be forever weak from trouble. I ask, when the Jews fell, did that fall destroy them? No, Paul says. Are they fallen beyond recovery? No. Absolutely not. It won't ever happen. But their failure brought salvation to the Gentiles in order to make the Jews jealous. And in Israel, there are some verses, I think, in Isaiah where in Israel they will hear praises being sung songs, dancing, rejoicing in Babylon and it mystifies them. Now wait a minute. The people in Babylon, a distant nation, are worshiping and praising the God of Israel. This is very odd to them and this is happening in Israel now with the Jewish people. Who are these people in America, in this Babylon the Great of the end of the age? Who are these people that are supporting Israel? Who are these people that are sending people from Babylon to come to Israel, to pray in Israel, to visit, to come to the Holy Land, to go to the Temple, Temple Mount or area? Who are these people that support us? Well, some of the Jewish people think that the Christian people are mad. They're crazy. They think there's something wrong with them mentally. But they're still mystified. Who are these American people? Why do they love this Messiah of Israel? Why do they love us, the Jewish people? Why do they love the nation of Israel? Why are they voting and, and uh, 
<clears throat> requesting that the government assist us. Well, because God said that this nation, America, would be in a sense a protector, a guardian for Israel until just before Christ returns. And then the nation will turn on the people of Israel and the nation of Israel. But here, the Jewish people are mystified. They're perplexed. They're, they, can't, they don't understand why they're glad that the American evangelical churches support Israel. They're very glad. But you go over and talk to them about Jesus, and they will turn on you. That's what God said would happen, and it, it, is, it is true. So did they fall to be destroyed beyond recovery? Paul said, no, it'll never happen. But their failure or their violation brought salvation to the Gentiles in order to make the Jewish people jealous. Their failure brought rich blessings for the world, and their loss brought rich blessings for the Gentiles. So surely the world will receive much greater blessings, or how much greater blessings, when enough of the Jews become the kind of people God wants. In other words, there will be, there will be that remnant that will be holy, that will be righteous, that will be God-fearing. How much greater a blessing to the world when those people who are not evil, the Jew, and there are the evil in the nation of Israel, there are the Jewish people that are evil, how much greater a blessing when the Jewish people are converted in a sense. There's going to be an appointed number of Jews that are going to be saved. Or when the nation as a whole is restored when Messiah returns. Now Paul he uh, now he takes a turn. <clears throat> now he says, okay, I've spoken to you about the Jewish people, about Israel, their failures, their shortcomings. But now, Gentile people in America, I say, I hear many, many good, devout believers who do not understand what Israel, who Israel is. I hear these people siding with Hamas, Hezbollah, stating that Israel is committing genocide. And the reason they can, can say that is because they don't understand eschatology. They don't know the uh, prophecies of what will happen in Israel, good and bad. And so they are actually, as they take a stand with Hamas, Hezbollah, all these terrorists, they are actually in conflict with God himself and his scripture and his prophecies. Okay, now he says, now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. So this is the warning. This is where Paul begins a great warning 
to evangelical Christians in America. I'm going to phrase it that way. It was to, to all the churches, but he says, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm going to make the most glory and take pride in my ministry. I hope I can make my own people jealous and in that way help some of them to be saved. If God's rejection of Israel meant he became friends with the world, what will Israel's acceptance mean? It's going to be like bringing back the dead to life. If the first piece of bread is offered that offered to God is holy, then the whole lump, the whole loaf is holy. Excuse me. And if the roots of the tree are holy, then the tree's branches are holy also. It is as if some of the branches of an olive tree, which symbolized Israel, have been broken off. You Gentiles are like that branch of the wild tree that have been joined or grafted into the first tree. You now share the strength and life, the nourishment and the rich fat of the first tree. Do not brag about, don't consider yourselves superior to those branches that were broken off. If you brag, if you boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say that the branches were broken off so that we could be joined to the tree, grafted in. That's true. But those branches were not broken off because they did not believe. <clears throat> they were broken off because they did not believe. They were unfaithful. And you, you continue to be part of the tree only because you believe, because you stand by faith. Do not be proud. Do not be arrogant. Be afraid. You better, you better be afraid in awe. For God did not spare, if God did not spare the natural branches, He will not spare you either. This is very clear. Any of the Jew, any of the Gentile people who have an attitude in your heart toward the Jewish people or to the nation of Israel, Paul is warning, don't, you better deal with that attitude. Because if God set apart Israel, set aside Israel temporarily, put them in a state of uh, dormancy, you will become dormant too. You will become basically out of the, the great, the, I don't know how to, to phrase it. You can be set aside. You can become dormant. You can be dead inwardly. You will be cursed. Blessing, I will bless those that bless thee, and cursing, I will curse those that curse thee. You will be cursed. I believe this time we're going to go to a break. I will continue in a little bit. We'll call him Jake. 
Jake had been a pretty rough guy in his time, spent time in jail for drugs, rode a Harley hog, the stripped-down type with leather bags and loud exhausts. He knew some of the rough boys that rode in those circles because he had ridden in them himself. He had hair that was longer than usual and liked to wear all the black leather stuff when he rode. He even owned a black leather baseball cap. Somebody encouraged him to send his children to the private Christian school where my wife was teaching, so I decided to try and befriend him. I got to know him, and we talked a lot. A desire to live a Christian life began to develop in his heart. He wasn't close to being perfect, but then who is? I sure haven't met one yet. One Sunday, he rode up to our house on his Harley with his girlfriend. We all talked for a couple of hours. My kids liked him, too. When they left, he cranked up his Harley and really revved her up. I wondered what the neighbors thought, but I figured if Jesus saw a diamond in the rough, why shouldn't we? This is Rod Bieber with Seed Time and Harvest. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out, 970-776-0258, My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business with over 60 years of experience. Their team of professionals prioritize honesty, integrity, and outstanding service, and they work with you every step of the way to ensure a smooth and successful auction process. Go to steffesgroup.com right now to find a sales representative near you and discuss your options today. Sebastian Gorka, if you're not listening to Swamp Fight, you're simply not listening. Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays at noon, right here on AM 1360. Hi, this is Craig James from Just Informed Talk Radio, and I'm here to tell you about my kind CBD products. I have been using these products myself, and I can tell you this is the highest quality CBD product I've ever used in my life. My kind CBD products are 100% THC-free, locally sourced from Colorado hemp farmers, and they're organic. And if you want, you can give them a shot today by going to 1360KHNC.com slash shop. And when you do, make sure you try out everything from the sunscreen to the lotion to the salve to the retinol cream to the tinctures to the cocoa to the coffee to the tea, everything in between. And make sure you try out the pet products as well. They have pet shampoo and pet tincture. You're not going to be disappointed. These products are white labeled and sold in high-end stores and boutique salons for two, three, and four times the price you're going to be paying at 1360KHNC.com slash shop straight from the manufacturer. So go there and buy your products today, and I know you're going to become a repeat customer just like me. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. The globalists say resistance is futile. Will you choose to accept your slavery or declare your liberty? Find out how on Pac-Man and the Rev, Saturdays from 1 to 2. Sometimes the truth hurts. (laughs) 
My name is James with Milco Carpet Cleaning. I'm based out of Millican, serving all of northern Colorado. We're a family-owned company that will clean your carpets, upholstery, tile, and rugs. My goal is to freshen your home and business, leaving you dry and clean in no time with no residues. Mention this ad and receive $10 per room off, up to $50. You can call me at 970-405-3740 or email me at nococarpetcleaning at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my reviews on Google. Hey folks, The Rev here. Urban Survival is more than just a well-stocked pantry. It's preparations for contingencies that separate winners from losers. Be sure to attend the Longmont Survival Expo March 2nd and 3rd at the Boulder County Fairgrounds. It's Northern Colorado's premier event featuring thousands of survival products and subject matter experts. The event will be held in the Exhibit Building at 9595 Nelson Road, Longmont, Colorado. Phone number 970-581-5231. See you there. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network.
Welcome to the third hour of the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program. I'm your host, Rick Rodriguez. And we're talking about a happy day. I love that <clears throat> love that song. I love this group. I uh, had a plan today to get through Romans 9, 10, and 11. I've been planning this for six weeks. Today I determined I would do it, and I forgot to mention that every Sunday, 9 to noon, the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program, here on 1360 AM Radio, KHNC, on through the week, Monday through Friday, 2 to 3, I host the Present Truth program. We are in a Present Truth. We are living, and the Present Truth is we are in the final years, the decade before Christ's return. Podcasts for the programs on 1360KHNC.com, podcast section, programs that you want to listen to. My contact information is Olive Tree Ministry, P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. P.O. Box 872, Longmont, Colorado, 80502. I began with Habakkuk 87. For they that sow the wind, or they that sow to evil. Everybody is planting something. You're scattering something. If you sow to evil, if your life is evil, if what you do is evil, you are sowing, you are planting something. And if you sow to the wind, if you sow evil to the wind, you will reap destruction. You will reap disaster. What you sow will return to you. The nations of the world, the rulers of the world, the people that, that the wicked people of the world are sowing to the wind. And they're sowing their evil. They're going to reap judgment. They will reap judgment, be assured. It may not come quickly enough, but their judgment, their disaster, their torment, their pain, their suffering, their fear, 
great, great, great torment will come. They will be tormented knowing that even the rocks and the mountains, fall, should they fall on them, they will not be protected from the face of a wrath, a mighty God in the presence of Jesus Christ himself. And they will bow the knee and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They may be lords over a land, a nation. They may be lords over great wealth. But according to God's word, they are nothing more than a speck of dust. A speck of dust. They're nothing more than like King David said. He was a worm in the hand of the Lord. In a godly fashion, in a godly way. That's what we need to be. We need to be in God's hand. We have no defense. We only trust God in His mercy and His goodness. We trust that God will have compassion on us. We're in a wicked time. The most wicked time. And the time is going to become more evil. And the hardships are going to increase. We have to be like a worm in God's hand, depending solely on God. We don't have a way to retaliate. We don't have a way to hit back, to resist. This is yielding to God. We have to have that kind of a spirit where no matter you know, I, I talk to people, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that I have a radio broadcast. Well, they think that is something great. But, when you have a view that we are worms in, a, in the hand of Almighty God, <clears throat> we're just grateful. And the more mature you become, the more you grow, the more you realize that you are nothing, that we are nothing. Outside of the Lord, we are, what are we? We're a speck of dust. We're a vapor. We're here and gone. The, 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 more, the more we mature, the more we grow, the more vision that God gives us, we realize how uh, weak we are. We realize that... I have a friend. We used to go to dinner, lunch. And one day I told him, I said, John, I don't want to be out of God's... I don't want to be outside of God's mercy for one minute. And he said, Rick... I don't want to be outside of God's mercy for one second. Never forgot that. Not for a second do we want to be outside of the mercy of God. There, in the Christian world that I view, it's in my mind. I can't. I cannot believe what I'm seeing in America with these men who have these great. What do you call them? I don't call them great anything. 
They're just big numbers of people. They're not great. They think they're great because they have big ministries with a thousand, ten thousand people, twenty, thirty thousand people. They think they're great. I don't think they're great. I just think they have a lot. They're just men who are deceived. If they are not helping God's people to grow and mature, if they don't put the instill the fear of God in God's children, then they're going to be they're like these trees that are going to be cut down and burned. Great men are through the years I've gone to small excuse me, small assemblies where the pastor loves the people in the congregation, won't put up with nonsense. Remember one little fellowship in Longmont, Colorado? And the pastor told the young people, when you come in to worship the Lord into the service, uh, one young man kept bringing, he had chew, he used to chew tobacco. So he'd come in and have the tobacco under his lip. The pastor said, listen, you go outside and spit that out. Don't you come back in until that tobacco's out of your mouth. But, 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 you know the rules. You're not coming into, the, the, into this house of God with your sins. And then these guys would have to go outside and smoke. He'd say, well, you go out and smoke in the back. You can't be free from it. But they told it the way it is, and they expected certain things. And with the in the assembly, you didn't have young women coming in, showing cleavage. That didn't happen. They came in dressed modestly. They didn't wear you know, workout clothes where you can see every curve wasn't allowed. These are godly men. These are men that fear God. These are men, a man that won't put up with unruly congregants. Great men of God the men who are really great, one thing they instill in the fellowships that they oversee is the fear of God. This is part of the great apostasy. There's no fear of God Almighty. No fear at all. One of the first things when I gave my life to the Lord, I'm going to get back to Romans, the end of Romans chapter 11. I haven't forgotten. When I gave my life to the Lord, one of the very first things that I began to see when we would go through the, we would have a Bible study Friday night, Sunday night. I started seeing in the Word of God people who feared God. And I saw people who didn't fear God. 
And I began to see clearly that God puts people in these positions of responsibility and He gives them authority. And with that authority, uh, you need to be careful. You need to learn how to behave yourself in the house of God. Young people who they learn a little bit and all of a sudden they feel, they feel that they have passed the uh, pastor in knowledge and understanding of God's Word. Well, you have to remember that when God calls somebody to a position of responsibility, He gives them His authority. And these young people, made, they knew they knew a lot of things. They were knowledgeable. But it took some uh, experiences for them to realize, negative experiences, that uh, they couldn't challenge these men who God had placed with authority. And the way that God would, you might say, scold them or punish them or chastise them is he pulled, God would pull his spirit off of them. Not out of them, out off of them. And they wouldn't have any joy of the Lord and the spirit would be, their fellowship with the Lord would be interrupted. There'd be no fellowship until they repented. And then they'd repent, the fellowship would be restored. There's no fear of God in this, these big mega churches. These people believe that by being attached to these men, Hagen or Copeland or, or uh, Joel Olstein, I can go right down the line. These men are not great. These men are not taking the children of God into a deeper experience of God and maturity. And these people in these congregations are going to wake up one day and they're going to realize they have no oil in their lamp. They have been going to the wrong oil companies to get their oil for their lamp. Their lamps are going to be empty. They're not going to be able to trim their wicks. They're not going to have any staying power. There is a punishment coming to these mega churches. Now, I didn't want to tell them what's coming because they won't believe me. But I will tell you in the audience what's coming to these mega churches. It's called Caesar, it's called the government. Rome destroyed the temple in AD 70 and God is sending the American government to shut down and imprison these people, put them in prison. They're not going to escape. God did it back then in AD 70, tore the temple down. That was a picture of what was coming. This great temple of God, the body of Christ in America, 
Catholics, Lutherans, Anglicans, Greek churches, the charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches, <clears throat> all of it is going to be shut down by the government. And the children of God, you're going to have to fend for yourselves. These Joel Olsteins, Copeland isn't long for this world. And if he remains, if God allows him to remain, and I believe God will, he will get to his eye, he will lay his eyes on the coming Antichrist and he won't even know it. He won't know who this coming son of perdition, man of sin, abomination of desolation to be is. And the people who are in this great movement internationally to take over the nations of the world to give the people of the world as a gift, a prize, a wedding present to Christ at His return. Uh, they are going to be very disappointed when they don't have the stamina to stand against the evil that's going to affect them in their personal lives. They're going to fear God. You know, I just always I don't know why. I'm going to finish Romans chapter 11. Just give me a second. But uh, I just have to always go to Psalms, I'm sorry, Proverbs. If I can get to it. Well, I shouldn't take, I, I don't want to take the time to, to get to it, but I, I'm going to. In uh, Proverbs 2, Um no I'm going to I'm going to just I'll, uh, I'll I'll forget about that These people this is a warning I'm not I'm not uh I can't change these people and for the people that may be listening in the new apostolic reform seven hills seven mountain mandate in the dominionist thinking for those people that might be listening I'm going to tell you I'm going to prophesy to you you're not going to hear my words you're going to actually probably want to uh, 
pray against me and curse me. But I'm telling you people, you need to be warned that you are listening to men who have a doctrine that is a doctrine of demons. You won't believe me, but God will in the future open your eyes when you're in tribulation and at that time you're going to cry out and you're going to ask God for help and because you don't want God's help now you don't want to believe the truth now you want to believe a lie you want to be part of a great movement you want to be somebody in that movement and you feel that uh, you are called by God, you young people called by God to be the new, the, 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 the generation to take over the baton. I'm going to tell you that's a lie in itself. John, in the epistle of John, addressed the young children, young men, and fathers. So no, there won't be a baton given to the young men because the body of Christ is fathers, young men, and children. You've excluded the fathers and the young men and the, and the children. You can't do that. You don't know the Bible. You don't know the Word of God. God's kingdom is fathers, young men, and children. And those men that have lied to you and told you that you're going to take the baton now and you're going to take, take this move into the world, take over the world for, take over the world for God, you're wrong. Another new term that is coming out called this Christian nationalism. Run. You better run from this type of thinking. This type of thinking is bringing. Rome or the government the government is coming this type of thinking is a threat to the government I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not involved uh, this isn't a mountain that I'm going to uh, fight for Christ made it clear that if you follow him you're going to be hated persecuted you're going to be beheaded you're going to lose your life you're not greater than Christ you're not greater than your Lord very few very 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 few in this movement simply dominionism with the branches very few are going to see the deception and leave very few it's a great apostasy the great pushing away of God you don't want God you want your movement to succeed and it is not a movement of God it is a movement of man a movement of men who are deceived and these men will not repent so God is going to bring 
punishment to them through the society. But in Proverbs, I'm trying to find the, the, the chapter, I can't remember. Um, the Lord said, you're going to call to me, I'm not going to hear you. You're going to plead, I won't respond. You're going to beg and ask me for help. And I'm not going to acknowledge you. God says, rather, you didn't want my counsel. You didn't want me to be corrected by me. You didn't want to listen to anything I had to say to warn you of what was coming. These are the people that are apostate. So when you call to me, I won't listen to you. I am going to allow you, and I'm going to let you, I'm going to provide for you bitter fruit. I'm going to let you eat bitter fruit. The bitter fruit of having your own way. People don't fear God. We don't know. We say that we're going to, like James, we're going to take a year, go to a distant city, we're going to take an investment, we're going to go there, we're going to buy, invest, sell. At the end of the year, we're going to get our profit and we're going to return. But James said, don't say that you're going to make this uh, to, to take an investment, go here, invest, buy, sell, make a profit. Don't say that. But rather, if God will, we will do this, we will do that. Now that is uh, wisdom. Don't say anything about I'm going to no, but if the Lord will. We do today and today we make our plans for tomorrow, next week, next month. If God will. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know. But we are to live. We are to occupy till Christ returns. So we do plan ahead. But if God will, then what we decide we're going to do will come to pass. I'm going to finish Romans 11 because the evangelical churches in America and many who have not, many of these men who are on <clears throat> the uh, Patriot, in the Patriot uh, world, their stance is Israel is committing genocide. Big mistake. They don't know the prophecy in Psalm 83. Israel there will be a time when Israel is going to be victorious over all of the enemies in the region. You can't change it. 
Psalm 83, it's occurring, and you have these very, very unknown, well-known men who are saying that Israel, you know, we need to stop funding to Israel. Israel's committing genocide. We need to help the terrorists. We need to, to uh, you know, protest on behalf of the Palestinians or the Arab people in Gaza? Nope. You don't know Bible prophecy. Israel, when God decides to punish Israel, it's in the scripture. They're going to be punished in the future. They're going to make an agreement with the coming, what they call the person they call the uh, abomination of desolation. <clears throat> They're going to make an agreement. They're going to divorce God. And in Israel presently, you have in the political world in Israel, you have globalists right there in the nation, in the Knesset. Globalists. They want to be part of the new world order. They want to be part of this coming Antichrist order. Right there in Israel. God sees it. And in Israel you have that group of people that God must protect because these people are God-fearing. And God will protect them and even warns them in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 when you see the nation surrounded by the armies flee to Petra. Go over the Jordan River to the east. So God warns them and then God is going to punish Israel for seven years. The punishment of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, just doesn't happen just to the Christian people in America or the world. It also happens to Israel. But concerning Israel, Paul in Romans 11 is making it clear. Be careful how you treat Israel. And the Jewish people. Bless them, you'll be blessed. Curse them, you'll be cursed. Many Christians are saying that that doesn't apply today. Well, I'll, I'll beg to differ with you. It applies more now than it's ever applied. Especially in the years before Christ returns to reveal himself to the Jewish people. You bless them, you're going to be blessed. You curse them, you're going to be cursed. Even in your heart. Maybe you don't have to do anything, you know, outwardly. But in your heart, be careful if you curse in your heart. Now Paul says here to the Gentile people. Verse 22 in Romans 11. So you see that God is kind and also very strict. He punishes those who stop following Him, meaning the apostates and the Jewish people. But God is kind to you if you continue to follow and trust in Him, in His kindness. If you do not, you're going to be cut off from the tree. 
If the Jews will believe in God again, He will accept them back. God is able to put them back where they were. If you Gentiles were cut off from a wild olive tree and contrary to nature joined to or grafted into a good olive tree, how much more will those natural branches, the Jews that have rejected the gospel, be joined into their own olive tree again? Paul says in verse 25, I want you to understand this is a secret. It's a mystery that you will, so that you will understand that you do not know everything. Don't become conceited. Part of Israel has been made stubborn or hardened, but that will change when the complete number of appointed Gentiles have come to God. So there's an appointment of, of a number that is going to come to God of the Gentiles. And that is how then all Israel will be saved. That is, as it is written in the scriptures, the Savior will come from Jerusalem. He will take away all evil from the family of Jacob. And he says, I will make this agreement, a covenant with those people when I take away their sins. This will be at Messiah's return. The Jews refuse to accept God, his new good news, so they are God's enemies. This has happened to help us who are not Jews to the Gentiles. But the Jews are still God's chosen people, and he loves them very much. According to the election, they are beloved because of the promises that were made to their ancestors. God doesn't change his mind about the people he calls and the things he gives them. God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. God called them, the Jewish people, to be a people. He promised to take them from the nations of the world as a separate people and God would work with them. That has not changed. But in God's plan, after his resurrection, the Jewish people that would refuse to believe the Messiah had come would be there would be a blindness on them, then that blindness is present to this very day. But they're still God's people. At one time you refused to obey God, but you have received mercy because those people refused to obey. Now the Jews refuse to obey because God showed mercy to you <clears throat> but this happened so that they can also that they can receive mercy from him God has given all the people over to their stubborn ways so that he can show mercy to all how great he is God's riches and wisdom no one can explain the things God decides or understands his or understand his ways for as the scripture says who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been able to give him advice? No one. Has, uh, no one has ever given God anything that he must pay back. Yes, God made all things and everything continues and everything continues through him and for him. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was saying that <clears throat> The Jewish people still 
are in God's plan, in God's purpose, just in a different plan. Their plan is, as God's people, the elect of God, they are going to, and I do have, I was going to, if I'd had the time, which I don't have, I was going to read Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to condense it. In Ezekiel in, in Ezekiel 37, this is the prophecy of May the 15th, 1948. Israel had been scattered to the whole world. The two houses of David, Judah and Israel, were scattered through the nations. But they would come back to Israel in 1948 or before then, in the late 1800s, begin to return, and they would become a nation in one day. That's in Zechariah. But in Ezekiel, he talks about a valley that's full of bones. He caused Isaiah to pass among them there were many human bones in an open valley a plain this is the nation of Israel he said to me son of man can these bones live I answered oh, oh Lord God you know he said to me prophesy to these bones say to them O oh, you dry bones hear the word of the Lord thus says the word of God to these bones behold I will cause breath and spirit to enter you and, shall, and you shall live Israel was non-existent the bones are there, but they're non-existent. And God says they're going to live. In one day, Israel became a nation and came to life. I will lay sinews upon you and bring up flesh among you, cover you with skin, put breath and spirit in you. You dry bones, you will live. You will know, understand and realize that I am the Lord, the sovereign ruler, who calls forth loyalty and obedient service. So I prophesied as I was commanded, as I, and so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a thundering noise, and behold, shaking, trembling, rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and behold, there were sinew, sinew upon the bones, flesh came upon them, skin covered them over, there was no breath or spirit in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath and spirit. Son of man, say to the breath and spirit. Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath and spirit, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath and the spirit came upon the bones, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great host. Israel became a nation. An exceeding great host. It seemed like a small nation at the time, but in God's view, it's an exceeding great host. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. No longer. This is where many, many Christian people misunderstand things here. 
Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy, say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I will open your graves, cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. It happened. They were brought back to the land, and Israel became a nation after about, oh, 1900 years of being scattered throughout the nations. You will know that I am the Lord, your sovereign ruler. When I have opened your graves, caused you to come up out of your graves, O my people. I shall put my spirit in you, you will live. I will place you in your own land. Then you will know and understand and realize that I, the Lord, have spoken and performed it. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, take a stick, write on it. For Judah and the children of Israel, his companions, then take another stick, write upon it. For Joseph and the stick of Ephraim and the house of Israel, his companions, join them together into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. Then, and when your people say to you, will you not show us what you mean by this? By this. Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim. The tribes of Israel, his associates, will join them in the stick of Judah and make them one stick. They shall be one in my hand. When the sticks on which you write shall be in your hand before the... And you will be... <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm really trying to hustle here. When the sticks on which you write shall be in your hand before the, their eyes. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the nations which they have gone. I will gather them from every side, bring them down to their own land. I will make them <clears throat> one nation in the land and the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them. They will no longer be two nations, neither be divided into two kingdoms anymore. This occurred in 19. 48. There are no longer two kingdoms in Israel. These two sticks, these families, have been made one. What we see today, or we see, we see in Israel, all the families in Israel, one in the hand of the Lord. They're not divided anymore. There aren't two sticks anymore. There's not a northern and a southern kingdom. They are one kingdom. They are not born again. They are still unsaved Israel. They are what we call, Paul calls, the elect of God. They are a nation now to bring fear upon the nations of the world because this nation is going to and has already begun to be a uh, a uh, what's a word they have been they're becoming they have become a kind of a hardship kind of a people don't know the the, the Arab people want to destroy them completely the other nations they uh want to control them through the United Nations, through these organizations. They don't want Israel, they don't want to leave Israel alone. They're God's servants, 
But if they can't, if the Islamic religious world can't utterly destroy them, then the nations, the United States and European nations, not the NATO, uh, Arab nations want to control them. No, they are a stick in God's hand. They're one. They're no more two nations. They're not divided anymore. Then eventually, at some point in the future, there will come the time when the Messiah comes when they won't defile themselves anymore with their idols or detestable things or with their transgressions. I will save them out of their dwelling places from all their backslidings which they have sinned. I will cleanse them so they shall be my people. I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them. They will have a a shepherd. They will walk in my ordinances and heed my statutes to do them. So that is a dual prophecy. He brings them back as a nation, brings the two sticks, makes them one. They're no longer two kingdoms. But it's speaking only of. We cannot interpret that as a melding of Israel and the Christian people. There is no no way you can interpret these scriptures to to bring in the thought, allow the thought that it's talking about born-again people, people who are in a new kingdom. No. This is only speaking to Israel's return as a nation that was a valley of bones. Now, chapters 37, 38, and 39 just like with Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. That was a little Zoom conference. That was Paul talking about the Jews, the Gentile, and the balance between them. And eventually how Israel will become, once again, be brought back in as the elect of God, brought back into the purpose of God. And here in Ezekiel 37, we see the return of the elect of God back into the plan of God and the purpose of God through all the prophecies of Israel's prophets. So Israel now is now once again included in the great plan of God. Ezekiel 38, 7, 38, 39 is also another Zoom call. It is a, it is a small conference. Uh, I don't know how to phrase it. Israel comes into existence, then Russia. From the time Israel becomes a nation, Russia begins a prophetic, a prophetic fulfillment begins for Russia. Israel becomes a nation in 48. Russia <clears throat> just finishes World War II, and Russia is, is, begins a great... Um, communist move with the Soviet bloc with a group of nations Russia began, Russia has to incorporate these other Soviet nations because Russia you might say needs to draw from them to begin to grow her industry and 
as a protection from the West. Then, when was it, 1990, 91, Russia, the Soviet bloc uh, ends, that, that uh, it ends. You have Russia, the old, the old bloc of nations are no longer part of Russia. Russia must begin to develop, to be strengthened, to actually be protected from the West because it, Russia must be prepared for the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 and 39. And what the great, you might say, shot in the arm to make Russia great was Ukraine war in 2022. That has begun the great building of the, it has begun the building of Russia's great army, which is going to be at war with Israel before long. I'm getting close to the end of the hour. People in and um, I was really pushing to try to get into Ezekiel 37. I think I pretty much presented it quickly. Israel is now a stick in the hand of God. Israel, the elect of God, are in God's purpose once again. Now the prophecies about Israel in the years before Christ returns are all some have already been finished, some are beginning, but they will all be concluded. The great Russian war is coming. The great war right now in Psalm 83 is is in is is uh is moving. It's alive. It's being fulfilled. The war is going to escalate into Lebanon. You we cannot avoid it. Hezbollah is being used by God. They the hatred is so deep that they're going to sow to the wind. They're going to sow sin. They're going to sow evil. They're going to reap the whirlwind. It can't be. They cannot keep from committing evil. The great evil of trying to destroy the nation of Israel. Well, for today, God bless you. God bless you through this week. God bless you. Just God bless you. May His Holy Spirit be upon you. I will see you next Sunday, 9 o'clock. Until then, we'll visit. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, 1360 AM, KHNC, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort